Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today I am joined by a dynamic duo. I love talking to partners because I am in a partnership as well. So this is going to be super fun for me. Um, I'm joined with Lisa Savage. She's a LCSW with a group private practice in Delaware and Kim Knight, LMHC, who has a private practice in Long Island. And together, they are the founders of Clinicians of Color. You can check them out at cliniciansofcolor.org. Welcome, yep. ladies. I'm so grateful that you're willing to be here and share your passion today. Thank you, Kelly. It's good to be here. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. So tell me a little bit about why you guys created Clinicians of Color. <laughs> well, um, it started, Kim and I started working together a couple of years ago. We met in a Facebook page and she reached out to me because I was starting to do some classes online and Kim reached out and said, Hey, I can help you do this. And it's been a wonderful partnership since that point. Um, but one of the things that we realized together is that for clinicians of color in particular, um, that a lot of our colleagues were struggling with resources, um, role models, um, how-tos. And so we created Clinicians of Color, which has now grown to over, I mean, we're probably close to 5,500 members at this point. Would you say, Kim? Yep, absolutely. Well over 5,000. All from a Facebook meeting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, like and a you know, meeting. <laughs> what's even, what's, you know, this just goes to show you how much social media has influenced and changed mm-hmm. things. Lisa and I have never met in person. <laughs> Ever. You know what? Ever. Miranda and I had only had dinner once and we were, and then we formed our business. We really That's didn't. Funny. Yeah. That's we, funny. And people think we practically live together, but. Right. <laughs> Probably the same for me and Kim. Yes. That's right. That's right. For the That's first right. five years, we were not in the same city and we saw each other maybe once a year or two. Isn't that amazing? And 10 years ago, we never would have been able to do anything like this. So it just goes to show you the power of social media. But absolutely, we we, uh, met um, online. And since then, it's been a wonderful partnership, growing the group, um, clinicians of color, seeing the success that many of the members have had, and Mm -hmm. just being able to provide them with, um, you know, resources that really speak to them and their needs. And, you know, unique kinds of needs that I, that some may or may not understand. And I think that, you know, we've been able to do that in a really good way that they appreciate. So it's been it's been a wonderful journey so far watching it all grow and, and develop. Absolutely. It has been. Share a little bit about creating a safe space and why that's so important, because I am sure people are like, oh, there's plenty of groups, but I feel mm-hmm. like there's such a need. I was, we were talking about this before I hit record. There mm-hmm. is a need for more clinicians of color in private practice. There's a need, yeah. you know, we, we need our practices to reflect the diversity of our communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, need, absolutely. And we need therapists who can meet the needs of our communities. So we need yep. clinicians of color. Talk yep. a little bit about what, it, what it's like for you to create a safe space for that. So I have been a part of some of the popular Facebook pages for therapists for years. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
I, I've, I've, I'm an outgoing person, but I've largely felt invisible mm. on those pages. Um, um, and so my sense is that other clinicians of color were experiencing the same thing. And, and mm-hmm. certainly they have said that as well. So having the safe space where people can be seen, um, and that's a word I like to use a lot is, you know, I see you, which is really just acknowledging and recognizing people for the work that they, that they do. That's one important objective. But the other one also is that there are tons of clients of color who need therapists yes. um, and therapists in their community. So our mission really is to make sure that therapists are equipped and educated um, and knowledgeable about how to reach their ideal clients and target populations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you talk about, you had mentioned, Lisa and Kim, you had mentioned that there are some unique issues that are well unique to being a clinician of color. Can you talk a little bit about what comes up in your community and the different things that you guys address? Well, yes. Yeah. So um, I think that one of the unique experiences that many of us have that others may not necessarily understand or relate to is um, even in our in, even in the academics piece of of becoming a therapist mm-hmm. and the trainings, we are often the only ones there. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. you'll mm-hmm. often hear, oh, you know. I went to this training and I was the only person of color. And yeah. then those, and then oftentimes when we're asked questions or when we're asked to present, mm-hmm. we are often asked to present around some sort of topic that has to do with diversity mm-hmm. or that has to do with, mm-hmm. um, you know, being a person of color. And, you know, sometimes it can be, it can feel, it can make one feel very marginalized, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and it, and it's not, and we know that the, it's not the intention of those in those conferences or those trainings or those teachings or those individuals per se, but it doesn't, of course, lessen the impact that it has on one who constantly Mm -hmm. feels like other. You know, so I think that, um, you know, and and that sometimes it's a very difficult thing to explain to those who don't experience that. Right. And then in explaining it, we often still feel even more like other. That's (laughs) exhausting. Mm -hmm. And and, Mm -hmm. and it does. It becomes very exhausting. And then you become resentful. And you become, you know, you, you start to feel as if the work that you're doing is that much more difficult because right. not mm-hmm. only are you trying to help and support and educate your clients, but now you're also trying to educate your colleagues who are sometimes not as open to understanding because of their own unconscious biases. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, it's very layered. It's very complicated. And, um, you know, so rather than be in those, but not that we are not part of those spaces still, but rather than use those spaces to try to build ourselves and, and right. uh, we, we need, uh, we need additional space in order to do that, where there are some things that we don't necessarily have to have, um, have to deal with per se. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I hope that comes off in in terms so people can understand because in no way would I want to um you know insult anybody or make one feel mm -hmm. as if they it's their fault or that they're intentionally doing something. Um, because a lot of times it is unconscious. We don't right. know. Um, yeah. But uh, it still doesn't, it doesn't minimize the impact and the effect that it has. So but it's also like what we do with our clients, right? I mm -hmm. mean, yes. if our clients were exhausted by their family members, for example. That's correct. They right. would mm -hmm. say, you know what? You need to find people who love and embrace you where you yeah. don't mm -hmm. have to work so hard. You create your family through friendships. It's, it's the it's the same kind of thing of like, well, you know, we're all colleagues. So that's like the family of origin. Right. Yeah. And so yep. that's, I mean, that's what I find beautiful about the space that you've created. And I think, um, and my hope is that if anyone's listening to this, that you go check out that group. Um, and join it and get engaged in a place where you don't have to do all of that kind of work and you are seen and supported in some of the, you know, even down to this, we were talking earlier before I hit record again about some of like the basics of like, how do I enroll right. in this or that, yep. or, you know, just yep. having someone who's knowledgeable about mm -hmm. the stuff that you want to learn from and also understands that experience and not having to bring that into that space is, is so important. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. I would think frees up the process to building the practice. Yes. yes. I think the other thing that happens too is when you're in a group and there's other people who look like you, there's less fear of being judged sure. um, mm -hmm. or asking what might be perceived a dumb question. And so we tell people, that, you know, as we all do, there's no such thing as a dumb question, but I think it's a safer space to say, I don't know what CAQH is. I don't mm. know what insurance paneling is without that fear of uh, feeling inferior or, or dumb, for lack of a better word. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I first started out, this is still so weird to me. And Delaware is very tiny, but um, I was one of three black therapists in the entire state. <laughs> this blows <laughs> my mind. Isn't that weird? Um, it's also sad. And it is. It is. And so, I mean, I have grown a lot, and, and obviously there are more, more than three black therapists now. Um, in the past 10 years, it has grown. But um, it's important for me to hold myself out and say, listen, guys, I was able to thrive even when there were only three of us in the entire state of Delaware. So you got this. You can do this too. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I, I think... We need more role models. And for those of you that don't know, Lisa did another podcast with Miranda talking about school-based mental, mm -hmm. school mental health and how you've mm -hmm. built a practice all around that, which is yeah. just really fascinating. And so I think, you know, definitely check that out too. I, yep. I think that idea of role models is we all need people to look up to who understand, yes. who have been there and we can yep. say, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. Absolutely. And, and then by creating that Facebook group, you have a room full of role models, which is just really beautiful too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What are some of the things that you love teaching clinicians when it comes to building a practice? Oh, that's a great question. So one of my favorite things to teach, two of my favorite things are how to create a niche mm -hmm. and why that's important because 
um, a, a lot of our therapists struggle with, I can see anybody. I see, I'm a generalist and, and that always tickles me. Um, and then marketing, um, because a lot of times our, our therapists really struggle with how to market who they are and what services that they offer. So those are my favorite things to teach. Um, I think, and Kim will speak on this, but I think she does an excellent job of teaching people how to perfect their online profiles. Mm -hmm. um, and one person just posted before I signed on about how she got six calls this week from perfecting her per profile. But Kim, you could talk more about what you do um, around helping people with that. Oh, oh, yeah. So basically, the two things that I love are the fear. I love teaching oh, yeah. how yeah. to overcome that fear of taking that leap and going into practice. And, you know, the course that I have basically outlines ways in which you can push through it and really not allow it to be um, a hindrance, but more so changing your relationship with fear. And then that other piece, like Lisa spoke about, really helping people create profiles um, that speak directly to their ideal client or the clients that they feel they want to work with um, and really walking them through that process because it's not as simple. I shouldn't say it's not as simple. It, it, it's, it doesn't happen as quickly as people think that really is a process to get there of finding the words and how mm -hmm. to connect and tap into pain points and, you know, what people really want to hear. So trying to connect with the ideal client right out the gate from when a person reads the profile. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, so those are the two that I feel really passionate about that I feel I do a good job of helping mm -hmm. people get through. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But then there are other small pieces that I enjoy as well, you know, helping with the day-to-day, -day, learning what a being in the, in the practice on a daily mm -hmm. basis can look like and feel like yeah. and how to manage that. So there are other smaller areas, but those two I, I really feel strongly about. And I think the other one that I um, think is valuable as well is teaching people how to create systems in their practice. That's my So favorite. that it goes <laughs> more smoothly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Staying organized. Staying organized. Absolutely. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Thank you, guys. Yep. So when, I mean, a lot of this all boils down to being visible. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. Uh, which point. Mm -hmm. is also what you're addressing in the Clinicians of Color group, you know, the visibility mm -hmm. thing. And so it would seem to me that that's an extra layer of helping people navigate that, you know, like putting us, yeah. so like putting up a psychology day profile, for example, with a picture and mm -hmm. not normally being seen and right. being marginalized. How do you help clinicians through that part? I think Kim addressed it when she talked about her class on fear. Yeah. That's the that's emotional under, piece. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And that always seems to be a real popular class too, mm. is helping people to just push through their fear and a lot of what we do is cheerleading too like oh. you can do it you can do it you can do it um and not being afraid of putting themselves out there i always tell people like i'm never afraid to take a risk because if it doesn't work out i've learned something from that risk if it does work out then i've gained something um so really encouraging people to take the risks of being seen putting themselves out there and seeing what lessons come from that 
Mm-hmm. Yes, it's such a, so much mindset work that goes into it, you know, right. because, um, you know, first of all, there's the mindset of moving from sometimes agency work into entrepreneurship <laughs> and really yeah. understanding that you are a business owner now yes. and what that yeah. looks like and feels like and and what goes along with that. And then also just moving from the mindset of um, a clinician who is there to yeah. serve and mm-hmm. recognizing that you're not going to be able to serve everyone, you know? Really? You know, know? and and that I think is a hard pill for a lot of helpers to swallow and being okay with that is such an emotional journey that um, I think that that's, you know, one of the things that we have to work from work with from the very beginning. Otherwise, they're just not going to be successful in their practices. And I mean, that comes from a larger systems issue. I mean, I remember working in the county and having a caseload of 200 at times and being told you're responsible for every one of these people and you have to have contact with them every month. And if there is someone that commits suicide, that's on you. So we come from an education system and a training system that really does uh, inject us with a lot of this, fear and, and, um, over responsibility, I think sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. You, I you know, agree. the other thing that I wanted to mention too, Kelly is mm. I think an important component of what we do and that is helping clinicians to understand that they wear two hats. One is as a clinician, but the other is also as a business owner. Right. Um, and that sometimes that they are not sometimes they are two distinct roles that people have to own. Um, It's one thing to know that you have really good clinical skills, but it's another thing to also take responsibility for learning the business side of things as well. Um, I'm a third generation business owner. My dad owned a business. My grandfather owned a business. Wow. So and, and and that's good because it took away some of the fears. It do, didn't right. necessarily teach me a whole lot more, but it took away some of the fears. <laughs> yes. It was at least normalized. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so being a business owner, like I was a cut, I mean, my dad only owned a business in my life. Like he mm-hmm. never did, he never worked other than for himself. So for me to think about that was not scary, but there were mm-hmm. certainly things that I needed to learn along the way. And so the things that I've learned, I'm imparting to my, um, to the clinicians that we work with um, to either avoid some of the loopholes and, and pitfalls that I encountered um, um, or, or, and to also give them resources. Like you need an accountant, you need a lawyer. Yeah. Um, it's not just you, you one person a, in your pocket. Let's just exactly. It takes exactly. a team. To make yes. it all happen. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's it's safe to say also that there are so many of us that are, you know, this is our first experience of entrepreneurship. And yeah. we don't always have the examples of others who have been successful. Mm-hmm. Um, shoot, there are some of us that are first generation college students, right. college graduates, right. you know. Right. So in some ways there are some groups that are behind the eight ball a little bit and you know 
hopefully our space is able to um, give that encouragement and bridge that gap and let clinicians know that even though you may not have seen this in your personal life or in your personal space, that it is still absolutely achievable. And we are living proof of that. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah. I know, at least for myself, I didn't have entrepreneurs in my family, at least not successful ones, that's for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, so for me, it was a big deal, you mm-hmm. know, not to have a paycheck every two weeks are you kidding me you know not to have vacation time that (laughs) they give me and you know so it was a huge mindset shift that I had to go through and experience and I know that it can it can be debilitating for some you know to the point where they don't where they miss the opportunity Mm -hmm. right so so I guess that's one of the reasons why I've always felt really passionate about that piece where you address that right out the gate, because if yeah. you don't, that mindset yeah. will be the very thing that keeps you from getting to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, that fear stuff. I know. <laughs> I, I remember when I first went out and that same thinking, like, I'm not going to have payroll. I'm not going to have the <laughs> retirement auto deducted. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Who who does all this? And right, right. Yeah, and it's taken a lot of internal parenting, <laughs> I guess you could say, of like, you know, Absolutely. Really paying attention to my boundaries and what I need, and um, yeah, and I think too, again, undoing some of those systems that have raised us as clinicians to go against those things, which is just mm-hmm. ironic. Because right. we teach right. people to tap into their internal wisdom and then our training tries to suck it out of us. And, so, <laughs> right. and that's right. what you guys are doing is helping people go back to that place yep. and really get in touch with what they need and, and deal with the fear. Because the truth is, and my, my big hope for anyone listening is, is that we need more clinicians in private practice. We do. We, there is room yeah. There is plenty of room. Absolutely, there is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And especially for clinicians of color. Um, well, because more people of color are going into therapy now. There's a lot of talk. Um, Joy Harden has certainly yes. made it, normalized it. And yeah. um, so, so we are getting more phone calls. And so we need to be equipped and be yes. available. Yes. That's and, right. And that's also because those of us that are white therapists, it's good to know about these resources too. Cause if you have a colleague that's a person of color, refer them to clinicians of color where they can get support and mm-hmm. know that they're getting people who are role models who care about them. I mean, right. we are all in this together and we that's right. support mm-hmm. each other. And um, that's why I was so thankful to have you guys on here. You guys are very busy. <laughs> I was just like, uh, so on your site, you have your course list. So there's courses that people can download whenever they want. Correct. And then you have your university of private practice. Mm -hmm. And if talk a little bit about your university. So university of private practice, which we've kind of transformed a couple of times over the past couple of years Uh in January, what we're going to do is because what we learned in the last session is that people really appreciated live sessions. Mm. So we're going to do six live sessions with small groups. 
um, for an hour. We don't want to burn ourselves out, um, yeah. but we'll do six one-hour sessions with small groups of six, and we will talk about um, and teach about the issues that they need to learn about. So they'll be broken up based on what it is that they need. And again, we only work with newbies in the field, uh, not newbies in the field, but newbies to private practice. So we covering everything from like what Kim said, the the mindset shifting. um, And then, you know, just all the basics, how to set up um, what your, you know, your your structure is going to be, your infrastructure, CAQH, and that kind of thing. Um, So that will start in, in mid January. Mm-hmm. And we'll go for six weeks. And if that works out well, then we'll do it another six weeks. Yeah. Um, but we have been slammed with emails from people um, wanting this and needing this. So we're kind of excited to get that going. That's good. So yeah. if there is one thing you want whoever's listening to walk away with, what do you want them to know? I want to if hear from I both of you. They can do it too. If I can do it, they can do it too. There is nothing more special about me that has allowed me to be able to do this than them. So um, it takes resources, it takes support, um, it takes guidance, and um, that's that's what we provide. So if I can do it, they can do it too. Absolutely. I mean, I have to piggyback off of that, that there are resources out there to tap into um, that can really address one's specific needs, unique needs, um, that provides safety in terms of emotional safety and space to, le- to really learn and grow. Um, and that, that's what we're here to do. And that, like Lisa said, that if you, if we can do it, I know, I'll speak for myself. If I can do it, <laughs> here I am, little old Kim Knight, just and I, I went into practice right after I got my license. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even, I don't even have agency experience. I can't even speak to that. I just know that that's not what I wanted for myself. Mm-hmm. So if I can take the leap, then anybody can take the leap. So long as you have the right resources behind you, the right support, the right mindset, that anything is possible and you can grow your practice into a six-figure practice before you know it and beyond. Um, So, you know, we just want to get that message out there that it is so possible. It it is doable. And if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way? Um, Our email, it's a shared email. It's Mm cliniciansofcolor.org. Right, Kim? At gmail.com. At gmail.com. Oh, .org at gmail.com. Is that correct? <laughs> Clinician, clinicians of color org. Right. Okay, right. no dot, no dot. No dot. Or no they dot. could just go to the website and reach out from there, yes? They could. That's correct. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's correct. They certainly could. And they can check out the Facebook group as well. Yes, and that is straight clinicians of color. They can search us there and they'll have to answer a few questions before they are accepted into the group. But so long as they are starting a practice in practice or have a license and have some type of clinical background, they are more than welcome. Beautiful. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. Thank you for interviewing us. We appreciate (laughs) it. I'm amazed at all that you guys do and, and get done in addition to your practices as well. And the expertise (laughs) you bring with 
play-based therapies and DBT and I I didn't even get into all of the other areas that you guys do, but it's a lot. Yes, but it's beautiful. And I, I am encouraged and I hope that whoever is listening today is encouraged that we support each other and that if you are a person looking for a safe space, um, where you learn from some amazing people, check out clinicians of color and we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you so much, Kelly. We appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Happy holidays too.